Whatever the reason for your interest in this issue, if you are a legal professional or aspire to be one, setting limits and achieving psychological detachment from your work are the key. This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. Hi, I'm Julia Tetrou-Provencher, and welcome to another mental health episode of The Every Lawyer. Today, we discuss the first ever nationwide comprehensive study of the psychological health determinants of the legal profession, sponsored by the Federation of Law Societies and the Canadian Bar Association. Today, we'll also see the release of the report's much-anticipated recommendations, which we will go through at the end of this episode. Welcome, Dr. Cadieux from the University of Sherbrooke, chief investigator and author of the report, and also welcome Glenn Hickerson from the CBA Wellbeing Subcommittee. Do you feel the legal profession is open to a conversation about its own mental health? Yes. Um, I, I mean, the, the, I'll be a lawyer here and say it depends on how you define the word open. Um, but look, lo lawyers make a living telling their clients things that their clients don't want to hear. And, uh, and working with those clients on ways to solve the problem, despite the fact, or maybe because of the fact, that the facts aren't what they wish they would be. I, I've been asked before, am I an optimist? Am I a pessimist? And, and you know, my answer to that is a, a, an optimist looks at the glass and says it's half full. A pessimist looks at the glass and says it's half empty. A lawyer looks at the glass and says somebody screwed up on assessing quantum, right? And, and I don't have to be an optimist or a pessimist to think that lawyers are going to figure out at some point that uh, change is coming, change needs to happen, um, and, and that the only way to deal with the problems that are there and are building in the legal profession is to face those bad facts, those hard facts, face on. You're not going to win your case by, uh, by imagining the facts are all sunshine and rainbows, and you're not going to solve the problem of how to continue to have a legal profession, quite frankly, uh, if you don't deal with the problem that we're facing. When you read this report, you can't miss the fact, well, maybe you can miss, but you'd have to be pretty motivated to miss it, uh, that, um, that the very way we practice law is what's causing harm to people. It's not that we don't have enough uh, nice stuff or we don't pay lawyers enough. Oh, that's always nice. You know, yoga classes are nice. Uh, good salaries are nice, of course, and they're important and they're valuable. But, you know, for example, having completely unattainable billable hour targets or quotas is going to wipe out any good that you could possibly do as a law firm for the people that are working for you if you insist on those things. So do I think that the profession is open to that discussion? It is because that's in our nature to be open to looking at bad facts and hard facts and figuring out a way through it. But like every good client, <laughs> our first reaction is always going to be, I don't want to think about it. And that's understandable, but we got to get over that. What prompted the CBA to sponsor this report? And were there a lot of surprises in it? It's a bit like saying, I knew that there was bad weather. I just didn't know there was a hurricane. 
outside my door, you know. So it, it, it's is any of what's in that report a surprise? No. Is it a surprise that, for example, there are certain practice areas and uh, and or certain geographic areas of Canada where you know the, the rates of I'll, I'll just call it harm because it, the the report gives a lot more detail than that. Uh, from the work itself is approaching two thirds, and even in the best of situations, it's approaching fifty percent. You're actually at the point where it is an accepted idea that this job will simply harm you. It will make you less able to function as a human being. You know, if you had a widget factory where fifty to sixty percent of the people that were working there were getting broken by the work itself you'd stop making the widgets right but we 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 don't have that we don't have that luxury i guess so to answer your question why did the cba do a survey the really prosaic reason is we did a survey about a decade ago uh, and it was time to get an update but a little bit more importantly if you don't know what you're trying to fix exactly it's pretty hard to calibrate the fix in the first place. So we're trying to be as uh, effective and efficient as we could possibly be. Um, so the, and, and, and I mean, here's the thing, the legal system isn't a bunch of statutes. The legal system isn't a bunch of impressive looking courthouses. The legal system is people, it's humans. And, you know, it's lawyers, it's paralegals, it's notaries, it's articling students. And they're, you know, they're, they're not all there is to our legal system, but they're a pretty central part of it. And if Canadians are seeking access to justice, if they want um, this system to work for them, then the working parts, the, the people that make it up, need to be able to be their best. And if you look at the survey and the survey results, the honest answer right now would be that that the work itself makes it really hard for those people to do the best job they can. Thank you, Glenn. And now, Dr. Cadieu. Um, so first, thank you very much for being here with us. And also, I know uh, you already had an interview with me in French, uh, and now we're doing it in English. So that's very, uh, we really appreciate uh, your time. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure for me to have the occasion to share with practitioners the results of this uh, incredible research program. Incredible is the word. I agree with that. So first of all, can you describe your research process a little bit? This research is the result of 10 years of research. Uh, first, we conducted a qualitative study in Quebec in partnership with the Bac of Quebec to develop measurement tool that was aligned uh, with the challenges of the practice of law. We then conducted a quantitative study across Quebec in which nearly then 2,700 Quebec professionals participated. And uh, this tool served as the basis for undertaking the national wellness project, national and uh, national study uh, about mental health and uh, wellness uh, at work among uh, legal uh, professionals. However, we went back to conduct a few interviews in order to clarify certain contexts, uh, such as that the Quebec notaries, for example. And uh, finally, this report is the result of a national data collection in which more than 
7,300 professionals participated, and this data was used to prepare the research report, uh, but will also serve as a basis for developing portraits in each province and territory uh, during the phase two of this project. And during uh, this second phase, we will also conduct approximately 100 interviews with professionals in every Canadian province and territory. So we have to stay tuned for also the phase two of this project. Yes. Can I ask you, uh, so it's a very broad question, but a bit of the executive summary, I would say, of this report for those who haven't had the chance yet to read it, but I'm sure they will after that interview. But uh, in general, how is our health? That's a great question. And <laughs> uh, I thank you for that question. I have a short answer, but also a more expensive answer for you. If I start with the short one, I would say that the answer to that question would certainly not be very good or I would say bad. But I think that short answer deserves more nuance and also at least some support from some of the K indicators that we have measured in this study. And as a part of that, you know, I also I have to give you some context, we collected data following uh, the third wave of uh, COVID-19. And during the pandemic, for sure, the entire Canadian population was strongly impacted by the pandemic situation, by the health measures in a period of turbulence and of uh, uncertainty and the multiple changes uh, that took place in the environment uh, of a professional. So prior to the pandemic, uh, the pandemic indicators related to uh, mental health among legal professionals uh, were of concern. Uh, we have done a study in Quebec and we have come to the conclusion that the indicators related to mental health are were uh, already higher than in the general population. So not surprisingly, the indicators are not only high, but they are even higher than in the general population during the pandemic. So we found the proportion of psychological distress was around 59%, which is still very high. And we also, we looked same findings for burnout. We found about 56% of burnout in the legal profession, 29% of depressive symptoms. With uh, it's it's a proportion of uh, professional with uh, moderate to severe uh, symptoms and 36 percent of anxiety at a worrying uh, level and uh, 24 percent of professionals. So almost uh, one in four professionals who have had a suicidal thoughts during their professional practice, which is really high, unfortunately. This is quite alarming, and, and is it? Uh, because I also, I, I'm kind of taking here what we said in French, but you also say in comparison to other professions, it, it is also, it remains a bit higher also. So I understand that it's not only necessarily, you know, a profession thing or being a professional or highly qualified or, or whatever. It's more like there, there's something here with the legal profession. Uh, there are some root causes maybe that, that we need to pinpoint to maybe be, better understand. So I, I feel that those results are quite alarming. And, and is it something that you were surprised? My, 
I, I was uh, I was really surprised to when I saw the barriers for professionals to to getting help. The barriers are numerous, and yet we see that the resources are sometimes handmade for the professionals. And when I talk about barriers, there are all the informational barriers. People don't uh, have access to information about their assistance program, don't remember where they should go, don't know the services that are related to their assistance program, or think that their problem is not enough important, uh, it will pass. And on the other end, we have many barriers related to stigma associated uh, with uh, mental health problems in the legal community. And like many other high performance environments, in the study we measured personal stigma and perceived stigma in the profession. So professionals were first asked to answer uh, the full, uh, some question about what do you think about people in your uh, about people uh, who experience uh, some psychological distress in their practice of law, and we asked the same question to professionals related to what do you think that people in your profession think about about this? And what do you think the perception gap is? The gap is just over 40%. That's huge. And this gap is related to the fact that few professionals have a negative perception of professionals or colleagues who experience mental health issues during their practice. But many perceive that people in their profession have a negative perception of mental health issues. And there is a significant gap between the perception in the profession and the actual perception of people. And there is no reason for this barrier, nothing at all, other than a lack of communication about health. And it is based on individual beliefs fueled by a lack of collective communication related to mental health. So we have to talk about it in all settings and raise awareness and break down taboos. There is a tremendous amount of stigma associated with mental health. You might even say uh, we have been in denial for a while about it too. Do you think this report will help remove the stigma? I think I think the I certainly hope the report is going to help destroy stigma and I certainly hope that the good work and the hard work that we do using the report uh, helps uh, destroy that stigma. Is the profession in denial? I mean, the, 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 saying the profession is that's a big word, right? <laughs> not just not just uh, grammatically. It's a it's a big word, and because it covers a lot of people. My assumption is anybody who's listening to this podcast is probably a lawyer. I'm guessing, or a paralegal, or a notary, uh, or an articling student, and more importantly, is probably someone who has an idea or an inkling that something is wrong and maybe we need to do something about it. And so the listeners to this podcast are probably the ones that aren't in, in denial. They're just looking for a way to deal with the issue. Is there anything in particular about the report that you feel uh, people might not necessarily notice immediately when they read it at first? It, it's, it's really easy to look at this report and just say to yourself, oh, isn't this terrible? and then just go on doing what all of us have been doing our entire careers. And the report shows the way that we structure 
the practice of law is hurting lawyers profoundly. And that those harms significantly outweigh the good things that we do for lawyers. We can't get out of this problem. We can't figure out our way out of this problem by paying people more by offering yoga in the lunchroom at noon or making up another set of office policies or having a nice glossy recruitment page for our firm that we immediately don't follow when it's inconvenient for us. Um, We can't keep breaking the promise that we're going to treat people well. So if there was a lawyer listening to this podcast and that lawyer was was is wondering what to do i'm saying please 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 right now listen hear this advice that i'm giving you the way you'd wish a client would listen to your advice um you, right now you're burning through lawyers at a rate you can't possibly sustain eventually you're not going to be able to recruit people And those people are going to be making mistakes because they're sick and tired and burned out. Uh, Fixing the problem is going to be hard. Yes. But if you change the way you ask people to work for you, there's an opportunity for you and for the people you work with to have a happier, healthier and more productive workplace. So you have to ask yourself if you're treating the people, people who work for you the way you would like to be treated and if the answer is no, and you got to ask that question and answer it honestly, then figure out a way to do that better in practice and then do it. And then keep asking yourself that same question. Am I treating the people working for me, working with me the way I would like to be treated? And just, it's an iterative process. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And um, you're, you're not ever going to arrive at nirvana um, but you are going to make things better incrementally one little step at a time so please you know deal with the hard facts but there is an opportunity there if you're willing to take it yeah and i think i mean that shows that people should talk to each other and colleagues should talk to each other to so that people would understand you know nobody actually it's kind of reassuring at the same time you know thinking that personally individually People are, do not like shame necessarily uh, mental health, but it's just f- people have the feeling that it, around them, others do. Uh, so it's also also quite sad because I think it really shows that we lack communication here. But I think this report is here also to enlighten this and uh, to have some follow-ups, uh, which I understand there will be some recommendations that will be published. Can you just give us a little bit more like those recommendations? How many, how, how do you think they will be implemented by the legal profession? How did you, how, how did you come up with them a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I have to share that in the final report, we made a summary of the different findings of the report because it's very important to develop a solution around findings uh, to encore uh, the, the targeted recommendations in the fact and in the data that we obtain in this incredible project. So uh, we uh, developed around 10 recommendations for the sustainable practice of law. And in these more general recommendations, we include around 50 recommendations, more specific recommendations. And some of, uh, of these recommendations are developed 
and target specific stakeholders. Sometimes it's the law society, sometimes it's the regulator in general, sometimes it's the workplace, workplaces where professionals uh, evolve. So I think it's very important to identify many actions at each level and solution is not a global solution or can apply uh, a part of, uh, of one recommendation and not the other one. But at the end, we have to taking action at every level, at every level in the legal professions. Uh, so in the workplace and and for the individual too. I I, I had a, in my recommendation take your vacation. <laughs> no, yes. yeah, no, no, that's such a good one. Yeah, <laughs> oh absolutely, God. because yeah. mm-hmm. uh, we we say everybody know that it's very important to taking vacation, but with the intrusion in personal life with the technology, for example, it's very easy to reach for your email during your vacation period, but during this time, you you will not be able to uh, refill your energy and to to take more constraint after after your vacation period so we have to talk about health it's my responsibility to to talk with my colleague about my my distress if if i live some distress to reach for help it's important but it's not only an individual responsibility it's an organizational responsibility and it's a social responsibility if you would like to protect the commitment of young uh, practitioners. Because as we seen in this report, more than half of professionals responded that they will be willing to accept another job at the same pay level if they have an opportunity. So I think it's an area of concern. And if we would like to protect the commitment of the future professionals, we will have to move toward a sustainable practice of law and a healthier practice of law. It speaks for itself. And I I just love that those recommendations are very, I mean, they are touching they are targeting different people different institutions so we don't and it's only because sometimes we tend to say but you know just take take your days off or take uh take your weekends off and and everything but it's it's not just that because sometimes maybe people don't even feel that they are allowed to take them because they will be judged or they that this perception that they need to perform and everything so but i love that one of your recommendations is take your vacations because i think this is so important and maybe even like the right to disconnect which we don't have here in canada but still the right to just not have your cell phone not having to to answer and i think friends for that uh it's a very interesting way that's it's even like illegal and maybe if we even go there like a legal view that we could maybe have a law for the right to disconnect that could help maybe <laughs> yes an organization will have to give the chance to the professional to actualize this um, because if i put a lot of pressure on the shoulders of my professionals, they will not be able to set their limits. They will not be able to set to say no if they need to say no to protect their own health. So we have to to taking action at every level. Turn it back to you, Glenn. How do you think we can incentivize law firm leaders and others to take the mental health and well-being of their employees 
associates and partners more seriously? Uh, you know, we, we've got three things going on. Law firms in particular, but legal workplaces in general, have had a long history of a workplace culture that I say is a lot less like uh, how to win friends and influence people and a lot more like Game of Thrones. You know, the, much more peer-to-peer competition. Right from the time you write on LSAT exam, uh, you're set up for the idea that success comes with beating your peers. And let's just stipulate for a moment, and sounding again kind of like a lawyer here, but let's just stipulate that argument that that's worked. The problem is three things. One, the supply of great lawyers and great candidates is not what it once was. There's greater competition for good lawyers out there. Secondly, you're recruiting from a generation, you know, people who were born in the 1990s or 2000s, um, who were raised not to put up with being exploited for a long period of time. That um, I think most people who are old like me uh, have realized, have noticed that younger people don't put up with the stuff we put up with and good on them. And, and the third problem that law firms have in just continuing on as things were is we just have had a massive real life, real time experiment in what it's like not to go into a lousy office. <laughs> um, and it was called the pandemic. And people have worked from home and, uh, and I, there's lots of problems and bad things and challenges with working from home. But I, people have also noticed that there's a lot of good stuff there. And, um, and so, you know, if you're a law firm who is dedicated to pitting one lawyer against another in a, in a competition to succeed, you got to watch out that you're not, um, by doing that, continuing to put yourself out of the, the marketplace for recruiting good lawyers and or having your best people leave because why work there? Can you tell us about some of the resources and activities of the CBA focusing on mental health and well-being? We have got uh, a lot. I mean, it's the, there's the short answer, but the we've got a series called the Well-Being Hour that covers a variety of topics and builds out all kinds of solutions that, uh, and a great deal of it, unsurprisingly, is already in response to things that are outlined in the report. One of the things that the report does, or the recommendations certainly say, is that perhaps our resources, like everybody else's resources, should get organized in such a way that it's easy to spot what's available based on the, the concern or the problem, or the issue that's that's at hand. Um, so we'll certainly be, that's something we've already got, but we'll still be working on it. If you're looking for something a little bit more fun, then we've got a, a monthly advice column called Dear Advi, and that's at, actually all of this is at www.cva.org forward slash sections forward slash wellness dash subcommittee. Uh, hopefully there'll be links in the in the show notes, but um, uh, the uh, there will be something that uh, that you can get it get to. But you can find the Wellbeing Hour and Dear Advi on our uh, on our page. You can also find a CPD course that we uh, have, and all of those, by the way, are free. Uh, not just free to CBA members, but they're free uh, thanks to our sponsor, Lawyers Financial. And the other thing that we've got on that same page 
is contact information for every lawyer assistance program across the country. Um, and, and behind the scenes, uh, one of the things that we've been doing, and of course we're going to continue to do, and we're going to do um, uh, with this study and its findings in mind, is we, we support the work of the frontline workers in the lawyer assistance programs in every jurisdiction. So we, uh, you know, we offer uh, continuing uh, professional development for those uh, people. We offer them opportunities for them to exchange good ideas uh, and, and that, uh, that sort of uh, benefit. And so we do that behind the scenes. Obviously, that's not something that's a, a front-facing uh, service that the CBA provides. Beyond that, if you're, you know, to the extent of what will we be doing, I see the people that are in our profession that realize there's an issue that needs to be resolved as our customers. You know, you're the managing partner or you are the, you know, human resources person or you're just an interested person in a law firm uh, or a, you know, workplace. And you're looking for a couple of things. One, a list of things that you, that your, your organization could do in order to make it uh, a, a friendlier place to work for. And secondly, ammo. You're looking for a way to convince the people that are in your firm that maybe don't see that there's an issue, that this really is a problem. So customers, they're, uh, watch this space because there's going to be even more for you. Um, but it, it, the, the, you know, the business case for managing lawyers' mental health well is almost irresistible. Thank you, Glenn, Dr. Cadieux. If we come back to you now. So my, my last question for you would be, so in the report, there are some testimonies of lawyers or people working in the legal profession, uh, jurists as well, I guess. Is there any lived experience anecdote that jumped off the page and that had stayed with you and that you'd like to share to our listeners before we end this? Certainly. I would even say that I have been touched many times last years by the message received from the professionals. You know, we included a comment box at the end of the survey, and uh, this was to allow uh, allow uh, professionals uh, who wanted to share some of their challenges. And unexpectedly, we received more than 300 pages of comments that we then analyzed uh, to contextualize certain results. And among the comments we received, I remember a young woman wrote uh, to us about working in a firm while she was uh, pregnant and fearing the reaction of uh, her workplace and the impact it might uh, have on her uh, being assigned cases, for example, uh, she made the decision to hide her pregnancy. And to do this, she sometimes drank alcohol in front of her colleagues during a happy hour to avoid their suspicion of her pregnancy. So don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not judging the situation, but on the contrary, I think it shows the incredible pressure that professionals are under. And also, I remember one professional uh, man using particularly harsh words uh, when he said, over the years, this profession has killed me many times in many ways. Uh, I think uh, this shows 
the intensity and persistence of stress throughout the lives of professionals. And so I was particularly touched, touched, yes, by uh, these, uh, these comments that I received. Those are very strong. And I think the fact that you received all those comments, you know, like an extra box, and you said that some of them, it lasted for an hour, but people still wanted to give some comments. It also shows that you kind of open a door here and people felt maybe comfortable at the end. And it also shows how you did your interviews, I think, that you really made people comfortable and uh, open. So I think also kudos for that. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Cadieu. That was all the time we had, but uh, it was so interesting. And thank you for doing them in both languages as well. Thank you so much. And finally, as promised, here is the concise list of report recommendations coming out today towards a healthy and sustainable practice of line Canada. As a profession, we should, first, improve preparation of future professionals and provide them support to deal with psychological health issues. Two, improve support and guidance available at entry to the profession. Three, improve continuing professional development, the CPD. Four, where relevant, Evaluate the implementation of alternative work organization models that limit the impact of certain risk factors on health. 5. Implement actions aimed at destigmatizing mental health issues in the legal profession. 6. Improve access to health and wellness support resources and break down barriers that limit access to these resources. 7. Promote diversity in the profession and revise practices, policies, and procedures that may include or create discriminatory biases. 8. Consider the psychological health of legal professionals as integral to legal practice and the justice system. 9. Develop a culture of measurement. And final one foster a better work-life balance in the legal profession. Glenn Hickerson and Dr. Nathalie Cadieu, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us directly at podcasts at cba.org and look out for some deeper dives into these recommendations and some of the issues we have discussed here today on The Every Lawyer in the weeks and months to come. Hello, I'm Steve Bujo, President of the Canadian Bar Association. I'd like to invite you to welcome with me Barbara Finley, Lee Nevins, and Judge Kyle McKenzie, among others, to a series of kitchen table discussions on the legal system, protecting its institutions, judicial independence, access to justice, where to start. You can see there's a lot to talk about. Conversations with the President. Episode 1 is out now. <laughs>